Welcome to the Supplement Engineer Podcast. My name is Robert Chinitsky. Today, we are joined by the Vice President of Business Development at Purity Products, Mr. Jason Cam. Jason, thank you for joining us today. How are you doing, sir? Great. Great to be with you, Robert. Thanks so much for uh, having me. Excellent. So uh, anytime I have a first-time guest on the show, I kind of like to get their background. You know, what's what's the company all about? Because there are so many brands in the industry, and that's going to be that's going to lead into a topic I want to touch on in a little bit. But first, you know, introduce the listeners to Purity Products to yourself. Give us a little bit of background, how you got into this this crazy industry that we all call home. Well, sure. Uh, Purity Products actually started off as Water Pure Inc. back in 1993, uh, founded by Jan Levin, who's still the CEO to this day. And uh, I came aboard um, a year into it in 1994. Uh, I had just graduated from college and I wasn't sure what I was going to do with myself at the time. I was considering graduate school or, you know, I really didn't know. And I got this job helping out, answering phones, shipping packages, um, which led to doing, you know, interviews on the radio, talking about our water filtration systems. Um, and eventually within a few years, we started distributing uh, dietary supplements, uh, mm -hmm. multivitamins, um, various herbal uh, products, and we would also uh, market them on radio. At the time, we would do a lot of uh, live radio shows with mm -hmm. health talk shows, which were uh, maybe had their heyday in the 90s. Right. Um, and we, over time, built purity products into uh, a larger direct-to-consumer brand mm -hmm. uh, using direct response advertising through the 90s and uh, even to this day doing a lot of radio advertising, some TV, uh, really anywhere where you can do direct response, uh, print. Today it's, you know, I would say uh, our primary focus is uh, in terms of our direct business, uh, digital advertising, mm -hmm. uh, like most other uh, companies. Right. Um, as we look down the road into the future, we are trying to build out our brick and mortar business. And um, we're hiring people to help put purity products and new brands that we're developing uh, into uh, retail uh, on shelf. Uh, trying to turn us into more of what everyone calls an omnichannel brand. And uh, we've got a lot of exciting new products coming down the pike. And um, in our line now, we have, I think, close to 250 different uh, dietary supplements, uh, mm -hmm. some uh, skin pro topical skin products uh, as well. And, and we are actually moving a little bit further into that category. Um, we've got a sizable subscription model. So we were doing the subscription thing long before it became uh, the, the, the popular approach to direct response marketing that it is today. And, right. uh, you know, the new kind of wave of direct to consumer brands that you see uh, in every category, not just in the uh, natural product space. Um, and that's been, part of really the backbone of our company and provided a lot of stability because we've had a lot of customers that uh, go back a very long time that we continue to service with uh, our various products that we can introduce our new products to. And uh, it gives us a, a really good 
uh, foundation uh, to fund new things, new opportunities, new products. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and we've gotten quite good at doing, uh, you know, continuity and, um, and, and it is a really important part of our business. So, you know, that's hopefully in a sort of nutshell, uh, an overview of, of the brand. Uh, you know, uh, and I'm not sure if I left anything out, but uh, I'll be happy to uh, answer any questions you have. Yeah, yeah great. great. Um, um, for starters, one thing I'm very curious about. Okay, so the brand starts in 1994. I mean, that, that almost seems, I mean, that's a generation removed from where we are today and we have so many fly by night companies popping up and all of that stuff. So I guess, you know, this, this, you, you can almost say y'all are a legacy brand. Like typically with sports nutrition, we talk of guys like Cellucor, muscle tech, optimum nutrition, the, these guys. So like in the, in the health and wellness dietary supplement market, cause some of the listeners may not be as familiar with that. Um, first off, that's impressive that the, the company has been around that long because that's, that's not the case these days with a lot of supplement companies. Right. Um, but can you speak to, uh, how you've seen, uh, the evolution of the consumer and kind of what they want and what y'all have, how have y'all have evolved um, as far as your your approach to, to marketing, uh, getting the word out on the brand and what you're actually seeing more of from the consumer side of things as well? Well, I mean, that's a good question. Um, I mean, the, the, the biggest change over the 20 plus, well, almost 30 years we've been doing this, I guess, at this point, uh, is just changes in media consumption habits as a direct-to-consumer brand. Uh, I mean, the internet didn't really exist uh, when we first started. I mean, it was just you know getting started, uh, but it wasn't a place where you would go to uh, interact with your customer or, or to advertise or to bring in new customers for sure. That evolved slowly through the course of the 90s. And uh, it took us a long time to get good at it. We, we really maybe missed a lot of opportunities um, early on with Facebook and some of the social media sites, um, it, you know, and, and a lot of the brands maybe that you just mentioned were a little younger, a little bit more tech savvy, and um, they, you know, could operate in that environment a little bit smoother than we are. Mm-hmm. You know, the other difference between some of the sports nutrition brands that you commonly uh, speak to and, uh, and and us is the the demographic. We, we deal with much older people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, our customers are really not generally, I mean, we do have a few products that cater to, uh, you know, guys or gals in their 20s and 30s, but primarily, our brand is aimed at an older uh, demographic mm-hmm. and it's kind of reflected in our product line, uh, which has been consistent throughout the whole course of the history of the company once we you know, obviously moved into supplements. Um, and it ties into our uh, approach to subscription, uh, a subscription-based company. And that means our core products are what I guess you would describe as maintenance uh, oriented products, products that people would commit to for a longer term. In other words, multivitamins. We've got a really great line of multivitamins uh, with all sorts of different condition specifics. Um, we're continually growing out that line. We've got some really new cool multis on the way. Omega-3s are another really big category for us. We've got some really interesting omega-3 combination blends. Uh, 
krill oil, fish oil, different combinations with CoQ10 or green tea or plant sterols for cholesterol, etc. And uh, CoQ10 is a big ingredient for us. We have a popular green tea, curcumin, things that people want to continue to use over the long haul. Um, those are just much more conducive to building a relationship with a customer and you know, people, once they commit to a multivitamin, they may take that multivitamin for years and years. Right. Um, so it lends itself to that. With sports nutrition products, we did dabble with it. We started a sport nutrition brand in 2000 and I want to say 12 or 13. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting. We were you know, completely going after that cellucor, you know, muscle tech space. Yeah. Um, and it was very difficult to do in just direct to consumer. And one of the challenges we saw was a lack of brand loyalty from consumers who you could get to try your product, right. um, but had a hard time keeping them on it in any kind of subscription model. And a lot of younger men, especially, you know, they, they, they like, for one thing, um, they like to bounce around oftentimes and try different things looking for, you know, a better and better and better result. Oftentimes what we learned, at least from our perspective, our opinion of it was that a lot of guys really wanted maybe some harder hitting, uh, edgy type yeah. stuff. It was around the time that DMAA was on the market mm -hmm. and, you know, having tried DMAA myself, I mean, it really works. Like you take it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Wow. They'll send you on a trip. You know, um, the, the, you know, putting caffeine and beta alanine and I mean, you do feel beta alanine, actually, you kind of mm -hmm. feel it, but you don't, you know, things like DMA really, you know, could, 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 could get you going before a workout. Yeah. And some of the things that we were uh, prepared to, uh, to deliver and to work with just maybe didn't impress that crowd as much. Mm -hmm. So from a, you know, when we add customers, we may, because, and especially today, customer acquisition prices are higher than ever, whatever channel you're in. It costs a lot more to get a customer today um, in any form of paid media. Unpaid social might be a little different, and we're by no means experts in that. But that means if you're going to pay pre a premium to bring a customer in, um, you know, you've got, you, it's got to be profitable at some point when you have a long-term model towards LTV, lifetime value, um, you can, and especially if you're an established company with some cash flow, you can afford to wait a little bit of time, maybe months, maybe years, if you can project out that adding a customer to, to your file will in the end be profitable for you. Right. So I guess at this stage of the game, that's, that's a, a key competitive advantage that we have mm -hmm. for one. Um, but in sports nutrition and in certain other condition specific products or cat condition specific categories, yeah. it's kind of difficult to get that lifetime value over time. I mean, I'll give you another example, weight loss products. Mm -hmm. So everyone knows the market for weight loss products is enormous simply because uh, we have a, a very large percentage of our population, unfortunately is overweight or unhappy with their body weight. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of them are looking for a quick fix. We have some supplements that can demonstrably help people manage or lose weight. Um, a lot of ingredients are backed by research. Mm 
-hmm. However, for someone who really has high expectations and needs serious weight loss in particular, you know, the, the expectations are often a li little bit unrealistic relative to what our industry can deliver legitimately. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. And so those people will tend to be disappointed in the efficacy of the product and a disappointed customer is not likely to continue on a subscription model or reorder of their own volition. They'll say, no, screw this. This doesn't work. Why would I continue to, to order it? Mm -hmm. Maybe they'll move on to some other brand or try some other product. So, it, you know, again, it ties back to our subscription model, trying to deliver products that we feel have a good chance of people maybe sticking with them the long term. Not that we don't offer those other options. We do. I mean, we have yeah. some some offerings in condition specific spaces, but those products are not necessarily uh, the backbone of our approach to long term relationship building with our with our customer base. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned something interesting at the beginning of our of our chat. You said that y'all are working to get more into retail and brick and mortar spaces. Um, what I find interesting is like it's more companies. So we're we're very online heavy. Everything A Amazon is kind of revolutionized the way the, the you know internet retail is done. And before that, we had uh, you know all the other we had iHerb.com, Bodybuilding.com, all of the other internet retailers. Um, and we were kind of hearing these things that, hey, brick and mortar is dying. And then, but then if you talk to some of the actual guys that are on the ground doing brick and mortar stores, they say, no, we're thriving. People like having that customer experience. So right. I guess walk us through a little bit of your mindset and the company's mindset of if y'all are already doing successful with the, the subscription model and online sales and doing direct to consumer that way, there's a larger profit margin that way, obviously from the company side for you guys. So yes. why, I guess, make the jump into brick and mortar retails? Well, it, that's, there's a lot of ways to kind of approach that question. And, and for a long time, uh, I mean, we've been around so long, strictly direct to consumer. Mm -hmm. We felt like, you know, you're right. We enjoy more control. The margins are different. Um, you don't have to manage that business, which requires bringing in people who know what they're doing and yeah. building out your team and, um, you know, potentially putting some of your direct to consumer business at risk. In other words, you know, if I have someone willing to buy uh, our Flexeron joint formula directly from me and willing to pay the full retail price, and then I put it into, I don't know, Walgreens or something, you know, Walgreens has to take their cut and I lose that. Yeah. So why would I do that? Um, but there, there are a lot of reasons to, to do it. And one reason is a lot of people are just not ever going to hear an ad or see a post or see a TV commercial that is direct to response and go to your site or give you a call. Mm -hmm. They just won't do it. Um, but if they see it in a store while they're shopping, they may grab it. So we've kind of come to the conclusion that be broadening distribution and giving consumers options could be a good thing. Now that said, it doesn't mean that we'll take every single one of our products and look to put them into stores. A lot of our products would thrive potentially only in the specialty side. Some of our products are, you know, specialty formulations. They, they could be a little bit too pricey for mass retail. Um, you know, a lot of the sports nutrition brands that you speak with, 
you know, you won't see them in Walgreens or Walmart or your local supermarket. Correct. They go to uh, specialty or GNC or vitamin shop, the bodybuilding.com. I know that's not brick or mortar where the price point expectations are going to be very different than, um, you know, someone shopping in Walmart. Right. So, but we, we do have a lot of new products and new product ideas coming that are maybe a little bit more uh, priced uh, appropriately for those venues. Mm -hmm. And we feel like we might have some people that we brought on that may have relationships with certain retailers where we can kind of get uh, test and see what happens and if it moves. The one thing you can say when you get into mass retail is the scale if something does connect with consumers um, is still enormous. I mean, you can look at some of the more successful products in our industry. Uh, I would say most of them are uh, in full retail distribution. Mm -hmm. uh, you could name, you know, uh, mass brand, I don't know, Schiff is one example. They've got several brands that some of them could be doing uh, hundred million dollars a year, their mega red brand, uh, many others, uh, things you'd see in Costco or Walgreens, the successful ones have that massive scale. Yeah. And it seems also from a, a company valuation point of view, um, that could be very beneficial also. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it doesn't mean we're going to take all 200 of our products and make them all available, but where we find fits, with certain mm -hmm. retailers matching category or product to the right retailer, where the, you know, we feel like they're a good, good, a good fit. Mm -hmm. I think uh, that's something we would definitely uh, explore. You know, I, I, I know we were, uh, you know, we mentioned Flexeron uh, earlier. Yeah. That's a joint product that we work with, and that's a product that we are looking to maybe take into the distribution and add a whole bunch of line extensions to. Um, our multis tend to be a little bit more expensive. I would say the cost on our typical multi is higher than the retail price on shelf for some of the leading uh, mass market multis. Correct. I was going to touch on, but I'll, yeah, keep going and then I'll, I'll circle back to it. And so those multis, our multis just, you know, you'll never see them at, at Walgreens. I don't think, I mean, I would look if Walgreens came to me and said, you know, we love your multis. It yeah. was very innovative and uh, the quality seems to be excellent. Let's give it a try. I wouldn't say no, mm -hmm. but I don't know if, you know, a 30 to $40, we have a multi that's $50. It's like a totally stacked multivitamin with fish oil and krill oil and CoQ10 and, you know, high dose lutein and it, it's a, it's a phenomenal product mm -hmm. uh, with its ingredient mix. Um, there's just no way to put it on the shelf at Walgreens for, you know, to match uh, one a day or, 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 you know, or Centrum. It can't be done. Yeah. And that's what, uh, and there's another one of the multivitamins. It has a full dose of synapse in there, which is a, a patented Bacopa moniere extract, which is one of my favorite, just nootropics, adaptogens, cognitive health support agents out there. It's just, you don't see that much in multivitamins. And I'm just, I guess from your, you, you kind of already touched on it. Like you said, you're a multivitamin 
probably won't be on that kind of like you, you can't expect a customer when they're used to paying, you know, four ninety five or nine ninety five for the store brand multivitamin. How do you guys as a business go and maybe if it's not in the brick and mortar sector, but maybe just even on the internet side, how do you not convince, but just appeal to the individual say, Hey, this is a better quality multivitamin. The stuff that you're getting in the store, you're it's you're just getting really expensive urine at that point. You're not actually getting really bioavailable, high quality minerals and vitamins. So how do you go about um, bridging that gap and bringing them to to kind of bringing them into the light? Well, uh, you know, I think it comes down to trying to as best as you can with you know the average consumer not having the 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 you know the longest attention span necessarily, and you not having necessarily, especially with digital marketing, running a Facebook ad you know, people just scrolling through, you got to kind of grab their attention somehow. But once you do, you have to kind of educate them about your product, what makes it different, uh, why it's worth more money to them to spend, to invest in, mm -hmm. what the science shows, what the technology is maybe behind it, how it works, um, what some of the studies have revealed about the individual ingredients, etc. And, and it really, that's where you have to win. You have to stop them and get their attention. And then as best as you can, as quickly as you can, uh, give them that information uh, and then hope that they're willing to give it a try. And then hopefully they like the product and stick with it. Mm -hmm. Well, the Synapsa Multi, the, our, we call it our, uh, I think it's called our perfect multi-focus formula. Mm -hmm. um, that's brand new. It's just, just out, uh, I think this month actually. And, um, you know, like every other company, we look around at what categories are growing. The nootropic category continues to do well. Yeah. And so um, we had had a pre-existing version of this product and um, it did okay. It wasn't our best-selling multi by any stretch, uh, but we know the, the guys over at uh, PL Thomas who uh, provides Synapsa as the, the raw material supplier. We have a good relationship with them. And, you know, they've been pushing that ingredient for a long time. Uh, it's got, I think, six published studies. It's, you know, it, it, it's one of the better nootropic ingredients, like you said, when you stack it up. Uh, having used it personally, I, I, it, I think it works. I think it does make a difference. Mm -hmm. It also has research in older people, uh, and uh, I think younger people, it's an ingredient that um, is not really going to compete necessarily with the leading new, uh, brain supplement on the market, which probably is Prevagen today. Mm -hmm. Prevagen is aimed at a much older demographic. The data on Synapse is not necessarily um, for, uh, you know, age related cognitive decline in older people, but maybe more for performance and uh working memory and 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 attention in 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 a, in a, a younger uh, population right yeah. um and so this was a way for us to also try to appeal to younger consumers uh at, at the same time who may be looking for something like this mm -hmm. so yeah it's a, it's a product we're pretty excited about and um you know it, it is it is a cool ingredient we're launching another multi that'll be in uh in this uh, this summer, and it's, again, it's just a, a sort of simple build out of our uh, multi. It's basically at its core, very similar to the focus multi, but it doesn't have synapsa. It, instead, it has um, high dose uh, plant sterols. 
to help people maintain their cholesterol, really mm -hmm. lower their cholesterol. At, yeah. at two grams a day of plant sterols, there's very strong data to suggest that it can uh, lower LDL cholesterol, even in a matter of a few weeks, uh, mm -hmm. five, 10, 15%. Some studies have suggested even higher. And uh, you know, a lot of people are interested in controlling their cholesterol. You can have a debate about cholesterol you know, all day long, whether it, it's important yeah. or not. Um, the reality though is millions of people take statins. A lot of people can't tolerate statins. And so they wanna go for alternatives that can help them control their cholesterol. We feel this is a, a very strong offering because it's a really great multi plus this added benefit. Um, mm -hmm. And that debuts in a, in a few months. So we're looking forward to, to putting that out on the market um, as the summer rolls across. With such a diverse offering of multivitamins within the line, do you ever worry that um, maybe you're cannibalizing sales from like from yourself to where, you know, you it's, you've got you know six, eight, ten different multivitamins instead of just creating one, or do you find that you're able to, I guess, maybe reach a broader base by having that many instead of just like a single men's and women's formula? Yeah, no, it's 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 a good question. It's a little bit of both. Uh, there are a lot of times our customers are confused, like, uh, wow, how you know. Which one should I take? Mm -hmm. I just mentioned, you know, the focus multi and the cholesterol multi. Well, what if someone is concerned with both? You know, yeah. how do they decide? Um, in the end, you know, people make the, whatever decision. We ha we have a lot of different products in different categories. Mm -hmm. So if someone said, I like, but well, we have another cholesterol product you can add to it. What we do to try to encourage people to take other buy other products is we have um, a, a program we call our uh, perks program. So if you're a paying customer, you get something like 50% off any other product you want and points that build towards like a rewards program. So over time you can earn points to get free stuff. Uh, you get free shipping in that program um, and things like that. So that's, you know, something we built out a few years, you know, several years ago at this point in an effort to try to uh, service customers with other products, extend lifetime value, introduce new uh, products to people and, you know, just keep lifetime value growing over time and maintaining a, a good relationship uh, with customers who already like us. And a lot of times we'll get feedback from customers that informs product development. You know, uh, we don't always necessarily listen uh, to, you know, we, I'm trying to think of a heavily requested product over the last few years, like apple cider vinegar. We were getting tons of requests for that. Um, you know, not really our thing necessarily. Um, you know, but we, we, you know, we, we do make an effort to try to have offerings in just about every category that people could want. Mm -hmm. Like I said, some can't, you know, do everything at a well. Um, but I think our product line does cover a lot of basis with a lot of very good products. Yeah, I was looking through it. I mean, you've got stuff for joint aging, you know, heart health, brain health, immune function. And I bet, I mean, there, there was, everybody was jumping on the bandwagon last year with immune support supplements for this and that. And like, even you would see even like hardcore bodybuilding brands saying, hey, try our immune support formula for daily health. I'm thinking never in the five, 10, 15 years you've been around, have you ever promoted anything for total daily health or anything? And now 
because the world's going to hell in a handbasket. You want to start hawking this immune supplement. So, you know, from your from your mindset as a brand that's always been kind of rooted in the overall health and wellness and appealing to, you know, maybe the the middle to the older demographics. What do you do you have an opinion on like when you see does it feel like a touch disingenuous is like an easy cash grab or is it, you know, our brands are trying to do whatever is needed to stay alive in a uh, somewhat disrupted marketplace? Well, look, I'm OK with uh, companies branching into new categories that they haven't been in just as you know, mm -hmm. this is America. Uh, you know, we can grow our businesses. Uh, as we see fit and take advantage of new opportunities, you know, entrepreneurs are, that's what they do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, from that perspective, I'm okay with it. I think as long as you market your products responsibly um, and, you know, don't, you know, go out there claiming you can prevent COVID and things like that. Very few brands yeah. do that. There are some companies that really push the envelope, you know, way beyond uh, the bad apples in the industry. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the brands that I think you deal with are, that's typically not an issue. Some of the sports nutrition stuff could be kind of edgy. Um, that's just, you know, but there's a difference between edgy and, uh, and, and outright deceit or, or, you know, completely hyped stuff that it is just impossible you know, lose 50 pounds in three weeks, kind of when you see those ads, you know, you scratch right. your head. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think, uh, I think it's, it's, it's cool by me if a historically sports nutrition oriented brand decides that there are opportunities uh, that they might take advantage of or create products that could serve customers with what they need at that time. So yeah, the industry really saw uh, as best as I could tell from numbers that I, you know, that, that I've seen, um, you know, did very well during the height of COVID because, yeah. you know, everyone was very ups, uptight about their immune system. And, uh, you know, there were bad players who did get in trouble. FDA and FTC were, were very much on top of that, uh, and continue to be, you know, they, they are, and nor should they tolerate any mention or reference to uh, to COVID nineteen, so they've been all over that. Um, but companies that have good products that can promote or support, as we have to say, your immune system, um, <laughs> yeah, let, let let them communicate that. Consumers want it; they they can probably benefit from it. So I, I, that's that's fine. Yeah. Uh, have y'all run into any kind of? Uh, supply chain issues either last year or this year as far as like I've heard reports of either delayed lead times uh, like the cost of caffeine and creatine is up 4x 5x in certain for for places there's a whey protein shortage bottle lids getting enough like little yeah. plastic caps the, the wrappers matching the bottles labels like have y'all and I'm not sure the volume y'all are dealing with or, or anything like that I imagine for a company as, as old as y'all are y'all have run in some fairly decent you know product lot size runs um, have y'all had any issues with that? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we've had a lot of supply issues across a lot of the things you mentioned. Uh, you know, even bottles. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of things were delayed. I mean, we we ran out of stock on on products constantly, and we were still trying to sort our way through it. Um, a lot of the manufacturers that we work with have long delays. Lead times are longer than they've ever been. Mm -hmm. um, 
prices are starting to inch up. We're seeing some of the inflation that you're hearing about manifest itself. Uh, that's coming. Uh, you know, um, hopefully it's it's transient. Um, I personally fear it may not be. Um, the question are is going to be are companies going to be able to pass along price? And this isn't just our industry. It's uh, you know, it's everybody. Correct. Are you going to be able to pass those prices along, or do you have to eat them? And if so, for how long? What are your competitors going to do? Um, so yeah, I mean the whole aftermath of COVID. Uh, it's still kind of settling uh, and sorting itself out. But yeah, we, we, we had a lot of issues with uh, being out of stock of key products for, you know, if it's a few days or a few weeks, even you can live with it. But sometimes it's months. You just can't get your hands on a key ingredient. That's like one of the challenges of having a complicated multi-ingredient products. You know, you look at our multis, we've got, you know, one of our multis, I think has 50 or 60 ingredients. Yeah. If, if a few of them are... Uh, you know, in short supply that, that, you know, that's the whole product that we're waiting on. Right. So, uh, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I think it's a problem that's affected a lot of companies, but for sure, uh, it affected us and it's led us to really, uh, try to create some systems and processes that we've been putting in place, some new software, some new people to mm -hmm. try to, as best as we can, make sure that doesn't happen again. You think about it, if you're running, you know, if you have a subscription business and people want their product and you can't provide it to them, it's easy to lose a customer that way. They're not going to wait around. They, they, need, they need their supplements. They may like you better than your competitor, but if your competitor has a, you know, somewhat similar product uh, ready to go and you don't, you know, you've lost a, a customer and, it, it's, you know, the old adage, you know, keeping a customer is a lot easier than getting a new one. That's definitely true. You yeah. fight really, really hard to get a customer. Uh, you really need to fight really hard, you know, to keep to keep a customer, keep them happy is do everything you have to do. Being out of stock, <laughs> that's not, just not good customer service. And uh, I think a lot of customers understand your situation, but, you know, they're not going to wait around three months if they need fish oil uh, and they rely on it. They'll go, they'll go somewhere else. So uh, I think a lot of companies felt that pain this year and still are to a degree. Yeah. In those instances, uh, would y'all just swap it? So, I mean, you've got a few different Omega offerings. You've got a few different multivitamin offerings. Say uh, a customer runs out of like the, it's time for their, their monthly shipment to come in. Y'all are out of the specific one that they are going for. Would y'all sub in another one? Would y'all, you know, get them on the phone or like have an email back and forth saying, Hey, we can't do this. Like, so did you just, how would you approach it with them to say, can we swap this for you? Do we, do we cut you a, a break on this month's subscription? How do y'all, how did y'all approach it from a company mindset? Yeah. So a lot of our products were lucky in that sense that there is uh, overlap and we have a lot of similar uh, products to one another. Mm -hmm. Um, like if you look at our, I don't know, our vitamin D line, some of we've got a vitamin D complex. Then we've got a vitamin, the same complex with extra vitamin K2. Then we have one with extra calcium and magnesium. And then we have another one that is NSF certified for sport that we sell to sports teams and athletes and coaches and trainers and college athletes. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a few more in the mix. And so if we're out of stock on one, that's an example of a, 
you know, an easy swap. Hey, we'll just upgrade you to the sport version. Uh, and at the same, you know, we won't raise your price or, or here's a, a bonus free bottle of another thing for your inconvenience. Yeah. So the problem is really for us when it's uh, a unique offering and no real clear substitute mm -hmm. um, or just something very different. So we have like a bunch of different joint supplements. I mentioned Flexeron a few times. Yep. Um, that's a once daily little blend of krill oil and astaxanthin and hyaluronic acid. And it's got, you know, some really good research on it mm -hmm. and it works great and people love it. If we were out of stock on that, luckily we have not had any supply issues on that product. Um, Cross-selling them, uh, our joint gel, which is a collagen based product that can help grow or synthesize joint cartilage. It's actually a really good product too. Or, uh, you know, a curcumin product, which is also, you know, uh, something we offer in our joint line. We use, uh, we have a few different curcumin options actually, but um, that could be a harder switch because now you have to really explain you know, you're taking someone from a krill based product to a botanical based product, you know, you really have to kind of explain why you can't just drop that in their box, send it to them with a little note. They're going to be annoyed. What is this? This isn't even remotely close to what I'm used to getting. Right. Um, so that, that can be problematic. Yeah. It's interesting. It's going, uh, I, I'm just, uh, there are so many times where I'm glad I'm not a, a brand owner and it's more of like the, the, you get to look at it, like I've got a foot on like the consumer side and on and on like the the consulting formulation side. It's just some of the headaches that that y'all have had to deal with from like a, a just keeping the ship steady. It's that's I'm I'm glad there are people that enjoy and kind of thrive in the in the business acumen sector. I leave me to the uh, the ingredient nerdiness and those kind of things because it's those are challenges that uh, people are much better suited to deal with than I. Yeah. Uh, Y'all do have some uh, various uh, interesting stuff. So I was looking at a couple of the heart uh, support agents. I don't want to say you know, heart pills. Uh, I don't want to give away like a drug connotation to them. So mm -hmm. cardiovascular support. But I, I love the inclusion of the hawthorn berry extract with the CoQ10. That That's a really cool little duo there. Um, and then the CoQ10 with the pine bark or the pycnogenol extract is another really solid one. Uh, how much input, uh, if any, do you get to do with uh, the formulation team with the products and deciding which products to release when or when you might add a new uh, flavor to the lineup or something like that? If you've already got an existing category, but you put a different little spin on it. Yeah, well, product development is, you know, it, it's a few different things. Um, like I hinted at earlier, if you see like with the nootropic category, you look at the you know, the industry's growth rates within categories and you see, oh my, the demand for, for brain supplements has grown tremendously. Um, you know, let's strengthen our position in that category. Obviously mm -hmm. our customers probably are in that, reflected in those numbers and let's build some better brain supplements. At that point, you know, we've been around a while, so we have relationships with a lot of the uh, raw material suppliers, the branded ingredient providers. Mm -hmm. And we know pretty much everything. We go to all the industry trade shows. We follow the industry media. So when new uh, ingredients emerge or um, mm -hmm. new studies on existing in ingredients emerge, you know, we, we, we see them pretty early on or we mm -hmm. hear about them early on. Sometimes we even get a, like a preview and an early crack at launching it. 
Um, historically, we were doing, you know, because we can educate so many customers and we had a lot of customers, a lot of our partners will call, hey, why don't you try this? And they're curious to see how it does with our own customers. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, and then there are just, uh, you know, you, we'll see a new study uh, on an industry news site or just in the media. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll think, boy, that's a great study. That's a, a great ingredient. Let's either add it to an existing product or create a, a whole new product around it. Um, sometimes it's a request from a lot of customers. We can see on our website uh, the most searched terms. Mm-hmm. So we've noticed for a while now we, we really didn't have any iron supplements that we offer. We're not necessarily big uh, fans of iron for men. Our multivitamins, we don't put, include iron because we right. feel like most people get enough iron um, in their diet. Uh, and our older customers probably just don't need more iron. Younger women need iron potentially. Um, but that was really never our, we never saw that as our, uh, as, as our customer, mm-hmm. but we started noticing, boy, we get a lot of people searching for iron supplements on our website. Like maybe we should go out and, and just put a, a nice little product together. So we did. And, uh, it has a, a nice little following now. Um, mm-hmm. And, and and sometimes that will inform the product development. Sometimes we'll just sit around and have a, a a brainstorming session and some some new ideas. Um, several years ago, juicing was a huge trend. There were juice bars opening up on every corner, and we were thinking, well, you know, boy, some of these are $10 a serving. You can go into, you know, a Whole Foods and they have their juice bar and they're all delicious and phenomenal, but you know, it's like a, it could be a a eight to $10 investment. It's hard to do that every single day from a, you know, it starts pinching your wallet a little bit. Um, But a lot of people would like to juice. Now, of course there have been greens drinks on the market for a long time and reds drinks, but out of that trend, we built, um, a line we call OJC, organic juice cleanse. Mm-hmm. And it's simply just uh, different blends of fruit and vegetable powders, all organic with probiotics, enzymes, and each one's a little different and they all taste different. And, you know, and for a long time that was very popular. Uh, it still does okay. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think the whole juice trend may have uh, peaked. And, um, but that's just another example of how something, uh, a new line can, uh, come come into existence at purity products, um, and and you know examples like like that. Uh, sometimes, you know, um, will will a raw material supplier, like I said, will call us up and say, "Hey, you know, check out this study. Uh, you guys should do something with it." And like, okay, that, that looks great. We can beat the market to the to the punch with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and be ahead of the trend, right? Um, or we want to try new delivery systems like melts. Um, we, we have a few gummies. We're maybe a little bit late to the game on the gummy trend, um, but we have a few that we're, we, we've just introduced and, and some others on the way. Uh, so, you know, it's a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Sure. Uh, with the the maybe the juice craze maybe dying down, but greens supplements, 
seem to be surging like crazy. I mean, especially last year they were going up with all the immune supplements as well. But even still, uh, especially from like the sports nutrition side, it seems like every brand is throwing out a greens formula now or something else. I mean, maybe if, if y'all aren't getting uh, a lot of traction with calling it a juice thing, just rebrand it or rename it as like a, a greens line or a superfood greens line. I mean, that that seems to, to even if it's like a, a small little like two and a half gram blend of something. I mean, I looked at the the labels for all there's more than just like a, a two and a half gram blend of, of 86 different things in there. So, I mean, there's, there's some really, really shady, crappy products on the market. Um, but I think, yeah. you know, you could spin it a couple of different ways and through some other things with that. Maybe if, if that's something y'all are looking to continue with the line. Yeah, no, I mean, you are, you are right. I think, you know, you look at, um, uh, uh athletic greens, for example, mm-hmm. I, I don't know those guys. Um, but, it looks to me just from an outside perspective that they've done very well. That's a very nice looking brand. Um, you know, uh, and they, they, they've really made that work. It seems, you know, I don't know how they get away with charging that much for the thing. I'm, I'm, you don't have to say, you don't have to comment on that or not. You know, it's just, I, I don't understand how in the hell they call charge that much for that stuff. Yeah, no, I, I, I think, you know, sometimes if you build a very strong brand and people just, trust it. They're willing to pay more. I mean, when you look uh, at cosmetic, the co- you know, go to Sephora or any cosmetic store, Macy's, go to the counter and you look at the prices yeah. and, you know, it's, it's just unbelievable uh, mm-hmm. what those margins look like. I mean, if, from a business perspective, it's phenomenal. Um, yeah. But often when you look at, you know, the difference between a cream that you could get for 10 or $20. And you compare, if you would compare the research to something that's $120, there are creams out there that could be three, $400 for a little uh, tube. Some, yeah. some brands that you would know if I, if I said their name mm-hmm. and um, I'm not so sure that the, you know, the, the science substantiates that kind of price difference, but you know, like I said, it's America and yeah. companies can, can do what they want. Um, and and good for them if they yeah can, you if, know, if you could get a customer it's like Starbucks I mean you pay like a regular cup of coffee like just drip black coffee they charge three dollars and change for it I'm thinking I right I I mean and I, I've done it from time to time I used to sit in the coffee shop and do a bunch of writing in there and stuff like that but I'm just at the end of the day it's just it but you know my wife she just bought you, you mentioned Sephora and that's where she used to go to pick up one or two like her little eyelid primer things I just ordered some online for I don't know if it was Walmart had them as well as two so it's like. This little tube, it's it's half an ounce or a quarter of an ounce of actual liquid. The thing was $25. And she's yeah, <laughs> I'm very lucky in the fact that she doesn't like to spend a lot of money on expensive things or go and do manicures, pedicures, all that stuff. And she's very, very low maintenance. And she even said it's absurd. She says, I'm sorry we have to reorder this, but she said this is the only one that works for me. And I just I am baffled at the cosmetics <laughs> industry. It's this little tiny tube you use. It's I don't even see how they get this stuff in the tube to begin with. And it's $25 for this little tiny thing. But yeah, it's I mean, hey. If, if that's like you said, that's what make America great. You can sell whatever you want to for however much you want to. And if people buy it, man, right. good for you. Good for you. Right. Look, if the perceived value is there um, and people believe it works and maybe it does actually work, um, you know, uh, yeah. certainly when it comes to, uh, you know, how you look, mm-hmm. uh, you know, vanity is very important to a lot of people. They'll pay a premium. I mean, we all right. like to look good and have nice clothes and, yeah. you know, people pay a lot to do their hair, you know, uh, 
it's a very specific kind of uh, consumer behavior, I guess, in that category. Uh, sometimes price is no object mm -hmm. and, and, and companies can take advantage of that. Absolutely. Um, can you give us a little bit of a, a glimpse into what other products you have coming up for the, uh, the rest of 21 and possibly in early 22? Yeah, so we, I'm trying to think, well, I, I, I told you a couple of our, uh, well, our new uh, cardiovascular cholesterol multi. Mm -hmm. um, we have a couple of uh, oral cosmetic products for uh, skin and, and one very interesting one for hair that's mm -hmm. under development. Uh, the clinical data on it looks really good. Uh, you know, it's too soon to kind of do the big reveal, but in a few months, uh, we'll make a big push with it. Uh, it seems to be able to help thicken hair in a matter of weeks. And uh, it, it's a double-blind placebo-controlled study published in a peer-reviewed journal. I think it's an ingredient that's not exclusive to us, but mm -hmm. we'll probably we'll, we may be one of the first companies to to debut it. Yeah. Are um, y'all supporting the research that's going on in it? Like, are y'all? funding any of the research or donated materials for them to run during the thing? Or is this just something that y'all kind of have like a, like an early access to kind of thing? In, in this case, early access, we, we, we have funded our own clinical research uh, for multiple products, you know, mm -hmm. over the years. Uh, one example is we, we have a creatine uh, formula called Everstrong. Mm -hmm. And um, it, so we, we launched that several years ago. And I think we were probably one of the first companies to take creatine out of strictly a sports nutrition uh, setting. 99% uh, mm -hmm. of the creatine marketed on the, on the, on the market today is uh, for, for athletes or bodybuilders and you know, strength training and for sports endurance, whatever you use it for in the sports nutrition category. Mm -hmm. And it's the premier sort of go-to number one arguably evidence-based ingredient in that whole category. Um, but there's a lot of science on creatine in older people uh, for mm -hmm. brain health also, not just for uh, sarcopenia or, you know, uh, strength training and energy, et cetera. They've, they've studied creatine for all sorts of things. And so we launched Everstrong uh, as a, you know, product for a older adults outside of the world of bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. And then we had an idea because our, our CEO is a, a huge golf fanatic. He was just personally curious, Would could creatine help uh, your golf game? Could it help you hit a golf ball further? Mm -hmm. And so we funded a study with our product, it, a double-blind placebo-controlled study, really a pilot study, but it, it was a controlled study. Mm -hmm. And we took a group of... Uh, young male golfers, I think the average age was 30 or so, and uh, put them on uh, this product for 30 days, uh, along with some light, uh, you know, some, some strength training program that mm -hmm. the researchers uh, put together. And lo and behold, 30 days later, uh, th there was a meaningful difference. Uh, the creatine group were, were actually hitting the ball, I think it was 14 yards, uh, farther than the placebo group, which was deemed statistically significant. Yeah. And the study got published in the, uh, uh, the uh, JISSN journal, yep. uh, maybe it was five years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, we 
it, the product was called Strong. We we had relabeled it as Strong Drive, and planned on you trying to sell it as a sport nutrition ingredient for golfers. Yeah. And you know we we did some sponsorships, but it it, it never actually um, found its way. Mm-hmm. And uh, today we don't even uh, uh, market it uh, as such. We still have the formula under the name EverStrong, mm-hmm. uh, but as a strictly uh, targeted supplement for golfers, it just never really uh, never really took off. Unfortunately, yeah. another one we did our own double blind placebo controlled study was uh, a a back relief supplement. So there's a lot of joint products on the market today, but when you look at the market, um, you know, there are a lot of people that are dealing with, with back issues. Um, and our industry does offer botanicals that can, uh, that are very popular curcumin. There's one brand out there. I won't name names that I think maybe dominates, uh, the, the pain relief space, although you have to be very careful how you actually, position pain relief as a supplement. You can do it only really within the context of um, pain associated with exercise or overuse. So, but there's ways to kind of communicate, uh, you know, your your findings about your product. Anyway, we did a double blind placebo controlled study on a blend of curcumin, boswellia, white willow bark, vitamin B12, and, Black pepper extract, a uh, uh, bioperin is the brand name for that. Yep. Yeah, like all three of those ingredients, or like all and three of the, the main ingredients. I'm saying. Stuck yeah. them all together in a in a blend, and we studied the finished blend, mm-hmm. and the results were excellent for uh, uh, reducing, uh, you know, um, what what we what they called non-specific lower back uh, pain, yeah. and it, it enhanced flexibility uh, very significantly, particularly in men in the male subjects. Uh, less so for some reason in the female subjects, maybe because women are inherently a little bit more flexible, flexible. We're not really sure why that happened. Um, but that is a product that we will probably rebrand under our Flexeron line because we are having a lot of success with the initial Flexeron product, but that's more of a knee and hip product. That's where the research was focused on that. So now we'll have a, an option for people dealing uh, with, with with lower back issues, mm-hmm. um, and you know that was a, a really great findings We're finding. We've also done some studies on things that didn't work. About eight years ago, we sponsored a study on a blend of botanicals to see if it would raise testosterone. Uh, it didn't work. We never made the product. We never worked with the core ingredient at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, there was another. Uh, a bunch of other studies that had negative results, luckily on products that weren't created yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like if you're going to do your clinicals, you're better off doing them on products that you haven't brought to the market yet uh, and start with the, the clinical research. That's ideal. Now, of course, like most companies, you know, we rely on ingredient research. Mm-hmm. And as long as you communicate that, it's, you know, the ingredient and not the finish, finished product. Uh, that's, I think, perfectly appropriate and, and fair to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but realistically, I mean, you know, in a perfect world, every company would have uh, finished product clinicals. Correct. And, you know, over time, you may see the industry slowly move more. But, you know, clinical research is very, very expensive. 
And um, I guess that a little bit more, because a lot of people just will bring up the points you just mentioned saying, well, we've never seen all these ingredients studied together. We've got one study just on creatine, but we don't have it complex with all these other things. So as a company that has, you know, supported researchers in their venture to study these products, can you speak a little bit more and like give insight into how long it takes to set up or just like all the loopholes you have to jump to, how much it costs, like how much y'all are investing as a company, either in terms of actual dollars to support the researchers efforts buy equipment supply them with product and things like that well typically you know and i guess i won't speak for every company but the times that we we did clinical research you find a a, a cro there's a bunch of really good ones uh in our industry and um you know some of them do, specialize in sports nutrition uh it you know and you you just pretty much pay them to do the whole thing. They'll write up the protocol. They'll, you know, take care of it really from nuts to bolts. That's their specialty. Mm-hmm. Um, they work with you in, in crafting the study and you kind of tell them what it is you, you're looking for, what you're hoping, you know, the product is going to be capable of doing. Yeah. And they put together everything and, and then organize it, run it, write it up and, and, and hopefully try to get it published. Um, so it's, it's pretty simple. It's just at that level, finding a reliable, uh, partner, um, with a good reputation and being prepared to, to spend the money, which mm-hmm. it could be very expensive. Um, even a small double blind placebo controlled study, you know, a pilot study could be 50 to 75,000. A larger one starts to become hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, you, there's no limit depending on how many subjects you want depending on how tight you expect the results to be for statistical significance, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if if you feel like you're going to get a 10% improvement or something, you want a lot more subjects in there to, to, to root that out, right? Um, so, y- you know, you could spend as much as you want. And the more you spend, typically the bigger the study, the more power it has, the more, uh, the better it is and uh, yeah. the more reliable it's going to be. Um, one of the challenges in our industry relative to the pharmaceutical industry is, you know, intellectual property is sometimes hard to come with, you know, you're, you're investing into something that other people can use potentially. Right. Yeah. And that's not a good investment because if you get it, if I took my generic fish oil, for example, and did a study on it, what would stop every competitor from borrowing that research? Nothing. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, it's uh, a deterrent sometimes in mm-hmm. that sense, but, you know where you can do it, um, you're better off. You know the more look, the the more research you have uh, on your products, and the better the research, the better the better it is for consumers. The more uh, <clears throat> people will trust our industry. Um, but you know you, you do face certain business realities when you you look around at your competition, and they're putting that money into marketing. Um, sometimes you have no choice, the rules being what they are. Mm-hmm. And so you, you, you just play, you know, you, 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 you do what you have to do. And, you know, you can't blame companies for, for doing that. Um, but what is important is to, you know, try to craft your messaging within the bounds of what, at the very least, the ingredient research shows and, and try to make sure that you're using uh, good quality evidence-based ingredients and putting the right amounts in and just communicating everything fairly uh, 
you know, to consumers or to your customers. Yeah, very, very well said. And uh, I mean, it also speaks to, I guess, the the character of you and the, and the company to a greater extent that you funded research. It came back with a negative thing. You still allowed it to go out. Like you, you didn't still like you didn't bury the study. A lot of the times, what will happen is a company will fund, especially like in the pre workout thing. They'll they'll fund the study for a pre workout. Doesn't turn up aces. They go and they bury it and say, oh no no, and they'll still push the product out. So I mean, that's that shows that you're not purely in this. Like obviously, every company wants to make money to a certain extent, but right. you're not going to put out garbage and try to sell snake oil to the consumers and pull one over just to make your money back on maybe on your investment in the research or the the R and D stuff y'all have done on the ingredients up to there. So that's you know that's something one of the the, the good guys in the industry. Yeah, look, um, that's why you know a lot of companies will not do studies on existing products because mm-hmm. if they get a negative result, it, it really can put them into a into an ethical bind, right? Like right. you just you've got a successful product, the research that you were hoping that you thought presumably was a slam dunk, mm-hmm. it just kind of didn't work out. Now, now what? You know, you, you're in a you're in a tough spot from a a business perspective. And let's face it, good products sometimes can have negative results in clinical studies. I mean, you, you could just look to pharmaceuticals. I think if you, if I had to guess, there's probably a few studies out there on things like aspirin that showed it didn't work. Some mm-hmm. studies show it does, some studies show it doesn't. I think there have been studies on certain, all sorts of uh, pharmaceutical options that are, are even existing drugs where some studies show no uh, statistical significance and others do. Right. You know, um, sometimes that that can happen. So I think if if I was advising someone from a product development point of view that's intent on doing research, you're better off doing it right at the beginning before you even launch the product. That that would definitely be the smartest way to go. And if the, this way, if the research doesn't go your way, you know, the product maybe wasn't meant to be and you, you don't launch it. Um, coming up and rounding things up here, Jason, uh, give us a little bit of an insight into, uh, what is, what's a kind of like day-to-day operations for you? Well, for me personally, um, (laughs) these days it's a, a lot of zoom calls with my team. You know, we have a quality assurance team, a digital marketing team, we have media buyers, um, you know, different people in every, uh, facet of the company, HR, and I'm dealing with all of them. So that's just my personal thing. Um, My favorite things to do are try to ideate new products and new marketing ideas. Um, I'm enjoying building out our uh, brick and mortar retail team and the interviews that I've had with some really, really amazing people Um, and having to narrow it down to, you know, one person out of several really incredibly talented, awesome people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's amazing how much you can learn in, in just a half hour or one hour interview with yeah. people and people that are awesome that you can't bring on because you know you can't hire everybody, although it's right. tempting. Um, so that that's that's you know been something that I've been focused on a lot. Um, you know, doing some uh, publicity stuff of late, uh, you know, trying to get some word out there about our company as we you know, pivot to brick and mortar and get as many impressions as, as we can, mm-hmm. uh, tell people about our brands who don't already know about it. Um, you know, we, one other area that we're intrigued by is potentially uh, 
overseas uh, opportunities, you know, and, and we're trying to learn as much as we can about how, how do you uh, enter the Chinese market, the EU, Latin America, and the EU and China are just as big as, as the United States. These are giant opportunities um, for our industry. And a, a lot of companies have uh, gone in that direction and, and they've done quite well. So we're trying to figure out, you know, who's, who's really doing that great and what can we learn and what do we need to build out that end of our business? Right. Um, so that, that's something that we're looking at, you know, as we, as we move forward over the next, uh, I guess, couple of years, it's something that is hard. It's hard to pull off instantly. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you can make it work, there seems to be a lot of opportunities. Gotcha. Uh, a couple of other final things. Uh, give us an insight into, I guess, what of a uh, what's your daily supplement regimen look like? Okay, so I, I take a lot of things. I first two things I take every morning. Okay, I wake up, I take zinc carnosine and magnesium, magnesium bisglycinate. Mm -hmm. um, zinc carnosine is something I take because uh, just historically, since I'm young, I've had some GERD and it runs in my family. And, you know, uh, zinc carnosine is a tremendous ingredient. Uh, a lot of people don't know about it, but it, it's really got good science behind it. Um, and that gets me my daily zinc anyway. Mm -hmm. um, vitamin D, I usually, unless in the summer, if I'm spending time in the sun, I won't take vitamin D. But for three seasons of the year, I'm in New York. So in the summer, I can get plenty of sun, and I try to. Uh, but other, other than in the summer, I take vitamin D. Usually three or 4,000 I use a day. Mm -hmm. um, I take omega-3s. And on that, I kind of mix up, depending on whatever we have here that's handy. Mm -hmm. I'll use krill oil sometimes. It's kind of inconsistent. I'll take fish oil. Um, pycnogenol. I take pycnogenol every day, and I, I have been for probably 10 years, 100 milligrams a day. Uh, sometimes I'll take 200 milligrams a day, just sort of mix it up. I, and I'm always experimenting with different things. So when we're trying new products or considering new products, I like to use it before, you know, Jan and I like to try things before we move forward with it. You know, if it's something we take in it, you know, we both get stomach aches or something like that. You know, we're, we're not going to put it in a bottle and sell it to our customers. Right. So there's always those things that I'm experimenting with. Mm -hmm. um, vitamin K2, another one, very important. Uh, really, I take that to try to uh, prevent calcification in your arteries. There's great data. It's one of our industry's best uh, ingredients. Um, a multivitamin. Um, I eat a pretty good diet, so I take uh, a multivitamin usually either half a dose or I might miss a day here and there. Mm -hmm. um, I, I feel like I'm probably not deficient in, in, in most vitamins and minerals. Um, but, you know, often I'll bounce around between our multis, you know, whatever is like available. If there's something in the kitchen, I'll just, you know, I'll grab <laughs> what's available. Um, so I feel like I'm, I'm pretty well covered there. Um, luckily, I don't have joint issues uh, at this point. We've got a couple of really great sleep supplements, but I don't really have trouble sleeping at all. Mm -hmm. um, I, I had a period where I, I, I did, and I was taking melatonin consistently, and that yeah. 
works great for me. Um, and, and then like I was on vacation for a week and I, I forgot to bring my melatonin and I was sleeping well. So I haven't continued using it. Um, however, if there's a night where I feel like I might not get a great night's sleep for whatever reason, I'll use melatonin. That's another. Do you have a preferred dose you use? I mean, it's the, the clinicals on it are anywhere from like 0.3 milligrams up to 10 milligrams. And it, it's one of those ingredients, like a little too much yeah. and it'll leave people feeling groggy. So have you kind of found your sweet spot with it? Yeah, my personal dose is three milligrams. Mm -hmm. um, but you're right. It's, it's tricky because there are studies on 0.3. The original patents and the original research were on 0.3. Yeah. Um, and those results were excellent. But you know, there are studies on three milligrams, there's studies on 10 milligrams, there's studies on much higher doses outside of uh, sleep. Correct, yeah. So I'm sure I'm like leaving a few things out, um, but I, those those are like, for the most part, my, my core. If I had to whittle it down to just three or four, like if someone said, because a lot of people won't want to take as, and don't have access to free supplements like I right. do. And I just walk into the kitchen, there's a million bottles at any given time. But for, like I said, if you have any stomach issues, zinc carnosine would be a must. Um, but generally magnesium, vitamin D, K2, and, and omega-3, and, uh, and vitamin D, uh, certainly if you're not getting uh, enough sun. Those are pretty like core. If I've left a few out, forgive me, but um, th th that's kind of the back backbone of my general regimen. Fantastic. Uh, Jason, this was awesome, man. Thank you so much for the, uh, the time today and sharing the knowledge on, on purity products. Uh, if you want to do any kind of shameless promotion, plugging for the company or tell people <laughs> why, you know, we've, we've got listeners that are younger, older. We've got, we kind of like Bridger, like it's mostly in like the younger, probably like 25 to 40 range, but we've got some older listeners too. Um, but you know, joint health, just overall mineral nutrient deficiencies, that stuff you should be focusing on even in your younger years. It's not something you want to wait till you're 55, 60, 65. It's too late by that point. So, you know, it's get your ducks in a row when you're younger, not older. So at this point, you want to plug anything, tell them where we can find purity products and all that stuff. Feel free to uh, go on. I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, it's just purityproducts.com and you could look around. There's a lot to search through. Um, you know, we've got some really great products. Our multivitamins are maybe a good place to start. There's a bunch of condition specific ones that kind of kill two birds with one stone. We talked about the synapsa infused focus multi, we call it. So if you're looking for a nootropic and you want to take a good multi and you want to just do it in one convenient product, um, that could be a really, really good option for you. And again, if you're on the younger side, that might actually be a really good product. Um, Check back in a few months, our uh, plant, if you're worried about your cholesterol, even at a young age, you might want to consider that before maybe, uh, you know, trying some other options. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if, if you're dealing with some joint issues, we've got a few good choices. Flexeron, I've said that word a few times. The back uh, comfort product, a lot, you know, a lot of people are dealing with that from mm -hmm. sports related problems, you know. Uh, I, I hurt my lower back squatting as a younger adult, and sometimes it flares up. Uh, the product is currently marketed under the name Believa. Terrible name. I hate the name personally. Um, in retrospect, we probably should not have called it Believa, but uh, it was born out of a tagline. You try it, you'll be a Believa. 
And uh, but it, it's it's a it's a it's a good product. And like I said, we did do a study on that one. So uh, on the finished product, so that that's a pretty good option too. Our juice cleanses, you know, got a lot to comb through. So um, you know, you just check out the site, and maybe you'll discover something that uh, you know matches up with what you need, and, and hopefully you'll give us a shot. Fantastic. Awesome, Jason. Thank you so much. I'll include links to everything in the show notes. And uh, uh, let's do this again down the road after a few more product releases. We can get you back on and we can kind of delve into and, uh, and nerd out over some of the uh, the new ingredients and research you guys are, are going through. Great. No, Robert, uh, great hour. Thank you so much for your time and uh, letting us get the word out. We appreciate it. And, uh, you know, if you need any, uh, you want any supplements, give me a buzz. We can shoot you some stuff. Sounds great, Jason. Thank you so much and have a great day. Okay. Take care of yourself. Have a great weekend. Bye. Bye.